0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Abram Kipalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I know you're waiting for our tagline, 40 years or It's coming. First, you've heard of me on this platform touting NRS, a great company whose many dedicated employees I get to see in action. NRS Pay has recently launched its new cost-cutting program called Cash Discount. The way it works is, Any vendor using NRS Pay Cash Discount has their sale register tabulating automatically a dual pricing, which offers customers a choice of a cash payment, which could result in up to a 4% discount over swiping their card. If your business meets the $18,000 a month threshold, there's absolutely no monthly fee to incur. NRS Pay Cash Discount makes it less expensive to accept credit cards, so you'll save money while helping your customers save at the same time. NRS is offering a time-limited deal right now on this state-of-the-art system. You'll get a free card reader with zero hidden fees, no long-term contract, and no early termination fee, which means you can switch your processing plan without penalty. NRS Pay is a proud part of the IDT Corporation that I've been associated with for over 10 years and has integrity built into its corporate DNA. I know its founder and officers and salespeople, and they truly stand by their product and will help you with live stateside-based customer service on any issue or question. Check nrspay.com for more information or call 833-289-2767. Forty years of old, this is Emeritus Rex. I'm here with Rabbi Ruben Yeshua Pukko of Bethesda with Aaron. Uh, this episode will be dropping hopefully right before Sukha's that's man of Simcha, and by that time, Bibi will have given his speech in front of the General Assembly of the UN. Rabbi Popko, uh, what do you prognosticate about Bibi's arrival, his speech here? Do you think
1: it means anything? Listen, the uh, the, the United Nations is less and less relevant in, uh, in international affairs. A country which invaded another country, meaning Russia, still has a veto to the Security Council uh the hall was half empty when zelensky spoke uh it, it's it's hard to uh justify the attention it gets but uh, there's no question that the meetings around this uh, assembly are certainly continue to be very important bb met with uh, biden seems to they seem to have gotten along famously also there seems to be according to leaks from all three sides the israeli the american and the saudi side that there is progress on a, a potential deal with, uh, with Saudi Arabia, which has major consequences. I mean, the obvious consequence, we know, where uh, relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia would be a remarkable achievement for the state of Israel in terms of solidifying, solidifying its acceptance in the, in the broader Middle East. We know how important that is. It's also potentially consequential for the Palestinians, because the Saudis are going to demand at least, at the very least, some fig leaf of progress on that file, and that may entail um, some concessions by mm-hmm. Israel uh, to, to the Palestinian Authority. And but I think what's uh, what, what what certainly will happen is that any any substantive concessions to the Palestinians will be accompanied by a complete rupture of the coalition, and you may see a Saudi-Israeli deal sol- solving judicial reform, because what will happen is these the uh, Lapid Gantz may join Bibi in order to facilitate a deal with the Saudis, and uh, then judicial reform is in the wastebasket. So uh, there are a lot of consequences here that anticipated uh, anticipated and otherwise. Is there anything to be made of the fact that uh, Bibi's not meeting with him at the White House, but they're meeting in New York. Yeah, of course, there is. Listen, there's no question that Biden's interventions in Israeli really internal political debates are in many ways unprecedented. And his criticism of the judicial reform, uh, talking about uh, even in his conversation with Bibi about the need to maintain Israel as a, dem- as, you know, a, a democratic structure and all of that
0: uh, are
1: unprecedented. But the reason he does it, Biden, Let's be blunt because he's surrounded by at least two kinds of people, number one, all the holdovers from the Obama administration and all those guys have no love for bibi and and all of that is emboldened by the second ring of people around biden are the are american are liberal American Jews who tell Biden there is no political cost uh, amongst American Jews for being anti bibi and that American jews are Anti-BB American Jews are against the judicial reform. They're against settlements. They're against what, BB, you know, uh, BB's uh, coalition with more extreme right-wing parties. And uh, and, when he, when he, and when you're an American president and you keep hearing from all the Jews you know that there's no price to be paid in the Jewish community for being critical of an Israeli prime minister, that certainly, you know, uh, releases all inhibitions. And that's what's happened with with Biden. However, we're kind of lucky it's Biden because, you know, another Democratic president would probably be even harsher at this point, given all those factors I mentioned. But Biden is an old time Democrat and uh, support for Israel comes naturally, although there have been certainly tensions in the past with Biden. But there are certain lines he doesn't cross. And uh, you talked about how Jews are safe in the world only because of Israel. You know, so he's an old time guy. So he still remembers the uh, you know, the quaint red lines of Israeli-American relations. His memory and his fealty are really subject to
0: how strong his, his mental acuity is, because it's possible that as he uh, devolves, assuming he's going to get the second term going up against Trump, we're not sure how strong uh, his connections are going to
1: be. There's no question that uh, first-term presidents are generally speaking much better for Israel. I mean, we saw that with Obama in, in very strong ways, in almost
0: vicious ways. You talked about the judicial reform issue. Um, I understand that along with Bibi, there's been a number of protesters who also decided to make the trip, and they've joined their compatriots here in North America to make sure that at the UN, there is uh, sufficient demonstrations.
1: I have to tell you, I, you know, I, this is all so wrong you do not demonstrate against an Israeli prime minister on foreign soil this is wrong it's wrong for Israelis it's wrong for American Jews to join in and uh, and so many have I mean I don't want to overstate it the media plays it up I mean we're talking about several hundred demonstrators but it's very wrong there is no justification no justification at all for demonstrating against BB in America no justification for you know uh, political disputes and you know at at the border as the, the the old the old line went you don't do that i mean i'm old enough to remember vietnam where democratic senators would denounce nixon as a war criminal in washington but go on a trip to paris and refuse to answer any questions about it you know from europe you you don't criticize your leader from foreign soil you don't do that it's just wrong. It's wrong, especially for Jews, especially for Israel. The idea that seventy-five after years after Israel's existence, people can take its strength for granted and and and, and do these things—it's uh, it's unconscionable, if you ask me. The divisiveness in Israel can be exploited by its enemies. The divisiveness in Israel can falsely uh, depict Israel as weak and vulnerable, which may explain. You know some of uh, you know some of what what Iran is doing now, and to add fuel to that fire in New York is just wrong. It's just wrong. B- basic dignity. I mean, every human being knows this. You 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 know if you criticize your child behind closed doors, you don't do it in public. It's called basic dignity and loyalty. Oh, and those may be old fashioned ideas, but it's basic dignity. You don't go ahead and uh, air your. Uh, your disputes on, on in public in public and, and for I'm
0: not I'm not going to play defender for them, but I think we live in an era where nothing is behind closed doors anymore.
1: Uh, listen, I, I listen, I, I understand that, and I understand that the, the idea that I'm espousing would be considered archaic by many. But the idea, but listen, I remember Oslo, right, and I was a fierce opponent of Oslo right? And I said it in my soul over and over again. And and then I remember the Israeli Prime Minister was in, in Montreal for the General Assembly of the Council of Jewish Federations. And I was asked by a lot of my friends to do a demonstration in Montreal. And I said, no, absolutely not. You don't demonstrate against an Israeli Prime Minister in foreign soil. You don't do it. Not only did I do that, I would never say, a journalist would ask me about Oslo. I never said a word against. What the Israeli government was to, to, to in a non-Jewish forum, to a non-Jewish newspaper, I would never do that. You don't do that. It's basic Jewish kishka instinct. You don't criticize the Jewish state, and you know, in, in, in a public forum and outside of Israel, you don't do that. It's interesting you mentioned before about uh,
0: Zelensky. You know, this war seems to be interminable the way it's going on. You uh, know, and, and I know Zelensky was at least able to summon up enough of his English to address the assembly completely in, the, in our mama learning, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I, I noticed that, and others have pointed this out, that he wanted to paint his country as much more aligned with liberal uh, Western ideology. And I think he even spoke about climate change. You know, do you
1: see Zelensky as a Jewish hero You can't but sympathize with the Ukrainian people who are under siege. It it doesn't mean we have to glorify Zelensky beyond reason or ignore elements of, uh, uh, you know, ignore the truth about his government. Uh, We know that, for instance, they were not, never supportive of Israel at the United Nations. Uh, They voted against Israel 90% of the time. Uh, and now he's demanding great friendship from Israel, which again is a, a precarious position because of the need to act in Syria, where Russia is a power. And, and so we we don't have to whitewash, you know, the deficiencies. But just because you don't whitewash the deficiencies, doesn't mean you know you should withdraw support. I mean, Ukraine deserves support, and they and they're, they're receiving it. A lot of it is is a little too late, and, and you know, and 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 Biden should have done more earlier. But right now they're getting more aid. And, uh, you know, I, it's good for the world and it's good for Israel if Ukraine wins. That's the truth. An America that is humiliated in Ukraine is an America that loses uh, its uh, its prestige and its standing. And a strong America is good for Israel. An, Israel, an America that's influential is good for Israel. It's true. We'll, we'll, see, how, we'll see how these things uh, turn out. I mean, it's like we
0: say in terms of, what's going to be the ultimate concessions that are going to have to happen in order for the hostilities to cease. You know, you know it's interesting. We're speaking here before Yom Kippur. I'm reminded about, you know, when the world was in, in flux and there was the incredible push to populate the land of Israel with settlers and the Yom Kippur appeal during the time of the Cholvet Tzio, the Metziv and Roshol Moliver and others said, we need to have a special Yom Kippur appeal for this tzedakah, how crucial this is. And there was a strong movement. It was a backlash to it, of course. And, and I, don't know exa- I don't know how successful it was. Do you see any sort of specific uh, where
1: funds should be going? You know, the toughest thing, I mean, listen, you, you ask anybody in the, uh, in the Orthodox community the, uh, about tzedakah priority, the first thought obviously goes to education. I mean, that's obviously the first thing. People have been talking for over a decade about the uh, untenable nature of the Orthodox family budget and and, and with day school uh, camp and everything else that we take for granted or that's expected. I mean, It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And obviously, uh, education should always be a priority. How you do it in a way that has the most impact is always an open question. And I certainly can't speak with any great confidence on that. L- listen, the uh, the Haredi issue is very different than the modern Orthodox issue. You know, tuitions aren't as expensive in the Haredi community as they are in, uh, in the modern Orthodox community. By the way, you know, when you and I were young uh, many, many years ago, every yeshiva in America had a wonderful high school. We had a good high school. Now in Lakewood, you know, most of the kids don't have don't go to high school. And the reason they're not going to high school is not hashkafa it's not anti-secular studies it's because it's a lot cheaper to run a yeshiva without a high school and i know i'm right because the boys that do go to secular high school are in no way tainted in shidduchim, right which is the ultimate barometer of whether or not something is hashkufly acceptable right so the boys who go to the yeshivas with high schools suffer no uh, no no problem on their shidduch resume so it's all about economics right so the craids have a, a very different issues than the modern orthodox Modern Orthodox, you have a family of four kids, five kids, let's say, you know, uh, you end up paying over $150,000 a year in school tuition, right? And then another how much money for camp, and then everything else, and then a year in Israel, two years in Israel, and then Yeshiva University. We're talking about a lot of money, a lot of money. I mean, modern Orthodox with minimum wage in the New York area is about a half a million dollars. You can't make it otherwise. The other part of the problem is that they can't generate their own teachers. I mean, because if you sit, you know, typical kid from Englewood who, you know, who went to Frisch High School and spent two years in Shalavim and comes home and goes to YU and comes home for Shabbos and his father asks him what he wants to do for a living and he says, I want to go to Chinook, the father tears Kriya. Because how, how is that a sustainable income? And, 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 and so the, uh, the modern orthodox can't produce its own teachers because the position, it's not financially rewarding. It has, carries no community prestige, and they and then they sit at board meetings wondering why they can't find teachers because they want somebody else's kid, God forbid, never their own, to be the carbon. And they end up, you know, and and, and, and so the modern Orthodox have their problems in Chinuch. Part, part of the problem is they're not, you know, they're not, they're not paying teachers enough, and the positions aren't respected sufficiently. In the Haredi community, uh, we we know the issue. Uh, but Chinuch but is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, I don't know if we could call it a crisis, but it's certainly... You know, there's certainly profound and severe challenges to, 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 uh, to, you know, not all of them are solvable by money, but some of them are. And being able to afford tuition is a financial problem. So, so, you know, in, in some communities, there
0: is a very strong and effective federation that is able to channel funds that are given by people from all different stripes and getting them. Chicago, for example, is famous for that. The, the Associated Talmud Torres and others, that there was ways for someone to say, I want to make a difference and I want with whatever funding that I have, I want to make the world better. But as you said, with the proliferation of so many schools and there's no centralized way for, let's say, uh, a a, a, couple, a couple that's already... Empty nesters who want to give something significant to make a difference in the world, similar to what I was saying before, give money for the for the Aliyah Rishona or the Aliyah Shniah or the Chovei Tzion, and let's make a difference. Let's use our money to help Kol Yisrael. I think people are frustrated as far as that goes. They're not sure what they can do outside of the little area that they're at. Let's talk about another subject that that I think I, I know you you travel quite a bit. Not only to uh, to the United States for your family, but throughout the world. You talked about, it. of course, you visited Poland, and you 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 were right there at the at the battle between Russia and Ukraine. And of course, you go to Eretz Yisrael a lot before Sukkot. You know, I'm thinking, isn't Sukhus the ultimate time to feel how empty it is to live outside of Eretz Yisrael? In other words, Sukkot and Eretz Yisrael is so different, so transformative. Pesach, I understand. You know, Pesach. You know, it's it's sort of similar between Eretz Yisrael and 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 the Chutz-Larts. as we are here and right before Sukkot. Don't you feel like it's it's almost like nothing can match? First of all, the incredible weather that they have in Eretz stroll during this time. That's a confession to make. I've never been in Israel for Sukkot. you have never been there. Okay, so there's the great Berachas Kohanim where everybody comes, and then there's an an amazing achdus that occurs even more than Yom Kippur where we say you know we we're, we're we're being mochil or uh, the people that we that we have issues with and we're all coming together you really see it in eretz Yisrael. and traveling there is 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 again i know you always go first class as 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 you deserve but it it is an incredible experience and and of course you know they have oh is, is like is another big party day Right, right. I remember, you know. Again, we were keeping two days because, you know, that was the Pesach for us. And I remember, you know, people there was there was bands and and tr- and trucks with uh, megaphones and various singing stars coming to Kikr Shabbat. It, it really is, you know, a, a, an incredible time. I mean, it's 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 really incredible, and it almost makes me feel
1: how empty it is to to be outside of Eretz Yisrael. Well, I don't know. That's why we started a little thing called Zionism, uh, back a while ago. And that's why we uh we, we, we logged for the, the land of Israel.
0: Yes, yes, but again, I, it might put you out of a job in, in Code St. Luke, right? If you, worked, if, you if, if if everybody would just pack up and leave.
1: But it's a great thing. i you know, listen, if uh, listen, the reality is that have had enough Jews made Aliyah, Gaza would still be ours. You know, God gave us a land, we didn't use it sufficiently, and he took it back. Let's be blunt. I mean, only 7,000 people or so were ended up living in Gaza after all the decades after the Six-Day War. And had more if more Jews moved into the Shtachim, you know, had already moved in, there'd be less conversations about Palestinians. You know, and uh, God gave us an incredible Matana in 48 and in 67, and it's been underused. And has uh, a good thing. When we were growing up, uh, as we end here, I think both of us were in shoals that sort
0: of like the pinnacle... Of hilarity and excitement
1: was Simchas Torah. Well, I'll tell you something. I I I grew up. There was still some decorum in mean, my shul in Montreal. I, I I we do things that I am not all that happy about. I must be blunt. Uh, where basically the uh, the most of on on, on uh, you know on, on Simchas Torah is you know physically assaulted is. Uh, I mean, you know, he's a, he goes through grotesque public amputations. I mean, it's, it's really not—it's uh, not a good idea to be a Babosif in my show on Simchas Torah. Uh, and again, I don't consider that necessarily appropriate. But but
0: it really, is a, isn't it just a natural progression from? I think I don't know if it's an American uh, aspect that Simchas Torah was sort of the Purim for the Balabatim. Like we knew what Purim was in our yeshiva days. It right. was all shackles were undone. Simkh, because of its history of freedom of of women coming on the other side of the Mechitza, because of actions that were usually not done in Shuhul, so we just pushed it like 20th and 21st century fools, you know, into the realm of idiocy. I mean, I, I know that in, in the show that I was in Chicago, they were anxiously awaiting Mariv on Simkhaira night in order to see which television uh, jingles would into it.
1: I mean, some of it gets a little crazy, but you know, it's uh, it's once a year. Uh, we can tolerate. It. I mean, I grew up. you, you got an apple and a you know, and a candy bar.
0: Do you find yourself sort of like saying, "Hey, let it go"? Do you ever, you never, you never try to rein any of the Simchas Torah frivolity in?
1: I, you know, I I, I I I hate being a school teacher, and so I don't. I hate discipline. It's not my thing. You know, maybe I should do it more. I, You know, I, I indulge their their worst passions.
0: <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about tell right? You know, it is a day that the the liquor flows freely. Do you think there's
1: perhaps, you know, some, should you try to put a stop to that? Two things I would stop. Anything dangerous and anything that is, and again, this is really ambiguous, anything that I think crosses the line of covetous but uh, you know, I'm sure some people would object to things we we do accept as violating covenant order. But some anything that would uh, violate that, yeah, I, I would, I would. Look, liquor is going to dissipate all
0: inhibitions, and you you have to expect that. I know that um, you know, Purim,
1: we have a lot of campaigns from you know from a lot of the educational. Uh, Listen, you and I went to yeshiva where we I mean, our our old our alma mater doesn't allow the kids on campus anymore. On
0: that's on Purim. You know, that's there was we a were, tragedy
1: one year and they, they canceled it
0: again. Because Purim, of course, a little bit different because of access to vehicles. People, you know, that was the problem. Let's let's end on a positive thing. Do you, one of the things that I don't I, I don't know I don't see it in narrative as much. I I think it might be a chutzlarts phenomena. Is that all the shoals in a certain area say we're going to have hakafas together. We're going to meet right. the shul. I don't know when that when that began. How, how does that play out for you in uh, Code St. Luke?
1: You know, I, it happens intermittently, or with one or two shills. Uh, I shouldn't say one or two, but two, two or three shoals together. And I don't think it happens much anymore. I mean, we we we, we do it together for a bit with our Spartak minion, but uh, it's not uh, it's it's not a pervasive uh, behavior, you know activity here, no.
0: Yeah, I think that's sad. I mean, there, there is a certain beauty to the fact that at least one day a year, we could, you know, forget about uh, some of our differences and, and, and say we're meeting. Let's not forget that, you know, Simchasaira for many of the, uh, of the refuseniks and for uh, the whole, you know, the Russian Jewry was Yom Kippur, Purim, Rosh everything all together. That was the one day Moscow synagogue was open. It's, incre- it's incredible if you think about it. And and I, I I've met some of these immigrants, and they knew nothing about any other holiday except oh, they September. knew some history, Yeah, you know, I, I think that's maybe that's something to, to yeah, yeah, talk about. Yeah, that was
1: certainly a rallying time, and you know, certainly was a very. It was it was really beautiful to see the uh, the joy yeah. on display in a place where it created a spark really for uh, a vibrancy and.
0: And, and a life of firmness. And let's hope that we can capture some of that. I mean, we live in such a cynical, disparate times. Uh, wish you a great Tov, Rabbi. We'll catch everybody in a couple of weeks. Have a great yontif. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of New York at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.